The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake once again. Happy to have you here. Season 3, Episode 19. Of course, if you haven't already done so, you can like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can download us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Coming up, we'll recap a wild weekend of playoff action for local teams, introduce you to our newest podcast sponsor, and we'll talk about the top five most frustrating things about the COVID metric map. But a big, big week weekend of playoff action for the teams in this area. Let's start with Ritchie County. Ritchie County is on to the Class A Finals with a huge upset at Greenbrier West. They knocked off their previously unbeaten 9-0 number 2 Greenbrier West Cavaliers ending their season. Ritchie County picks up an impressive 30-29 win. The Rebels scored the last 16 points of the game. They got three touchdown passes from Ethan Hott. Gus Morrison ran for two touchdowns, caught another touchdown all in the second half. Some of the more impressive feats and takeaways of this game. Let's get to Morrison. 130 total yards of offense on just 15 touches. That's more than 8 yards a touch between his receiving and his rushing with almost all of that production coming in the second half. Richie trailed this game by 9 with about 6 minutes left in the third quarter. They trailed by 1 inside 8 minutes to play before 2 Rebel touchdowns. It went touchdown, big stop, touchdown, ball game. Greenbrier West had nothing for Richie County. When Greenbrier West's drive stole out with about 6 minutes to go, a Greenbrier West player took off his helmet and spiked it onto the ground out of frustration. The officials didn't flag it. You'd think it would be flagged for the fact that he took the helmet off, which is usually enough of a no-no to draw a flag, but then the spike, and it all happened within 10 yards of an official, and nothing. I think the official sensed the frustration of Greenbrier West, and they just wilted and fell apart in the second half of this game. They were playing without Noah Brown, who was their most productive player, and the guy that's getting a lot of attention statewide, but oddly, Brown was not a factor even when he was playing. He left their opening round win against Madonna with a leg injury, and started on defense on Saturday, was not really effective, did not get a push off on the defensive line to allow him to be much of a factor on the inside rushing game and to stop that inside run from Ritchie County. But on offense, he played just two plays. One of those took a hit on the knee and he was done after that. Ritchie clawed and clawed and got their way back into the game. Greenbrier West was in unfamiliar territory. The longer Ritchie stayed in the game, the better their chances of winning the game ended up becoming as they defeated Greenbrier West with an impressive nine-point victory. Ritchie County didn't turn the ball over on offense. The only turnover was on a muff kick return. Uh, Ritchie County was outgained by nearly 50 yards, and they also had two Greenbrier West players rush for over 100 yards against them, and Brown, as I said, wasn't one of them. So really some impressive things for Ritchie County. How about this? The Rebels were 4 of 5 at converting two-point conversions. They ran for two, and they threw for two. But this game turned in the fourth quarter. Greenbrier West tried to pooch punt. Ritchie County cashed in on that for the go-ahead score, and then, as I said, Ritchie stopped Greenbrier West on suing drive. The frustrations were bubbling to the surface there. The Rebels scored late in the game to essentially seal the deal. And when that stop happened with six minutes to go, you could tell Greenbrier West's attitude was irretrievably sunk. You were not getting them back in that game at that point. We've talked about Morrison. We've talked about some of the oddities of this game. The defense stepped up and made some big plays for Ritchie County. Let's talk about another guy who made big plays, Ethan Hot. 
prime time player. 15 of 21 passing for 182 yards and three touchdowns. He is on the radar screen because of this game. And in the first two years of his career, he started quarterback for most of his freshman year. And this year, he's been under the radar. He's been a guy that Ritchie County hasn't needed to step up and do big things to win games. He's proven that he can do so. And so now he's a weapon that defenses will try to take away. He's a marked man for not just this season, but the rest of his career. And teams will be keying in on him now. A breakout performance, perhaps, not just because of the performance itself, but because of the stage on which it was displayed. After the game, I got a chance to talk to both Gus Morrison and Ethan Hot, and here's what they both had to say. All right, talking now to Gus Morrison and Ethan Hot. Gus, what came alive for you in the second half? Oh, uh, I think Alima stepped up, made a bunch of big holes, and I just had to get through them. And I think that came alive pretty good second half. Did you get angry the way you lost three people in the first half? And was there something that said the locker room to say, "Hey, you know, we got to step it up"? I mean, we expected to get roughed up this game. They're a big, real big team, so it wasn't really anything new, but. Describe your connection with this guy. He threw you some nice passes in the second half. How did you get so open? Tried to run him. <laughs> Chris Robson get him open. Did you know until just now that you're going to have a chance to play for state championship colors willing here in two weeks? I had an idea, but whenever we got the official word, uh, I got goosebumps. Yeah, I mean, you can't stop smiling. Describe this feeling. Awesome. <laughs> worth it all. Definitely worth it all. The guy that's throwing the ball, Ethan Hodd. Stay in, the, stay in there. What allows you to deliver those clutch throws? Oh, my line gives me plenty of time. They were sending six guys, and Cody was picking a guy up and just making plays, and wide receivers getting open. It just all comes together. This team never says, never says die. You had every reason to do so. Did the, penalty, did the pass interference penalty uh, that went against you guys, how big of a factor did that play? It seemed like you guys really got mad and used that as motivation. Well, I, did, I personally didn't agree that it was a pass uh, interference, whatever it was. How did we? Yeah, well... <laughs> I just came to the sideline, and I was like, what is, what is this? And they're like, just keep your head up, keep going, important game. Can't lose your mentality on just one play. Do you feel like a sophomore at this point? No, I, I don't know. I just feel like a football player right now. <laughs> Good answer. Good. What is this feeling like for you right now? Gus can't stop smiling, and you're about to say, boy. Coming in this game, they know, they, we knew they were a great team, and just coming out on top against a great team. You know, last year we lost a great team in the second round, just didn't want to do that again. It's just surreal. That's Gus Morrison and Ethan Hot of the Ritchie County Rebels. Ritchie County moves on to a state final. This game became a de facto semifinal at halftime when the 5 o'clock COVID map came out last Saturday and knocked out the East Hardy Tulsa game that would have fed in to this one. So Ritchie County has no one to play in the semifinals. They get a bye, essentially, and they will play against St. Mary's or Pendleton County. But Ritchie County needs better COVID numbers. The county needs to get better COVID numbers than what they are. When the COVID map came out on Saturday, they were in the orange. When the daily map came out on Sunday, they were red. So the test numbers need to get better. They've got two weeks to get better in Ritchie County, or else the Rebels aren't going to be in real trouble when it comes to playing in a state championship game. But again, Ritchie County in a state final against either St. Mary's or Pendleton County. We'll get to that in a second, but Ritchie County's got to get some negative tests here pretty soon. St. Mary's out last at Midland Trail in a shootout 52-49. to Big game for Brennan Boron. It was huge for St. Mary's to get the lead at the half. The game was tied at 21-all. Boron on fourth down found Darian Borte in the back of the end zone for a touchdown to give St. Mary's a 28-21 cushion at the break. Nice to see the Blue Devils get big plays from a lot of different people. Again, they had two touchdown runs from Brennan Boron. He threw for two scores. He got 180 yards, which I believe is a season high, and two touchdowns from Trey Moss. That's the good. The bad is that the defense surrendered 49 
nine points. That's more than they've allowed in the four prior games combined. So they have work and they know they have work to do. I got to be around the post-game huddles for both of these teams. And there was a big difference in the vibe and the makeup of the Ritchie County post-game huddle and the St. Mary's post-game huddle. The Ritchie County huddle is where they were told, the players were told for the first time, that the game they were playing got them into the state championship. They knew it was a possibility that East Hardy and Tulsa wouldn't play. And they were told then, hey guys, guess what? The COVID map came out. They can't play. No game for us next week. We're in the state finals after that. And they let out a loud cheer. And it was fun. It was a celebratory atmosphere. And I think it was a different atmosphere in part because they had a lot to celebrate. They played a great game in that win against a good team. And not that Midland Trail wasn't a good team, but I think St. Mary's left that post-game meeting feeling like they should have won by a little bit more than they did. And there were multiple people, multiple seniors that spoke up and said, hey, this win is excited. I'm excited to have the chance. We get them in a semifinal, but guess what? We should have won that game by a lot more than we did, and we need to be ready, and we need to fix some things, and we have work to do this week, coaches and players alike. So you heard more players step up and be vocal in that St. Mary's postgame meeting, whereas in Ritchie County's postgame meeting, it was more a mood of jubilation. Part of that's because of the postseason experience that St. Mary's has. Uh, There's a lot more of a been-there-done-that vibe with St. Mary's than what you get with Ritchie County right now, but at the same time, it's the circumstances of those wins that also feed into that. A lot more speaking up amongst players in that St. Mary's postgame huddle versus what you saw in the Ritchie County postgame huddle. That's a sign of maturity, too, having senior leaders that are vocal. I'm sure Ritchie County gets that in some places, but it was neat to see that on display and the differences between both of those postgame reactions in both those situations. After the game, I had a chance to talk to Brennan Boron and Kyle West, who made some big plays on both sides of the ball, and here's what they had to say. Kyle, you were in there on some big plays defensively, uh, making differences in this game on both sides of the ball. Yes, sir. Uh, Offensively tonight, uh, you didn't get a lot of touches, but you made them count. Uh, is that something that you know as far as your role in this offense, that you're not going to get the ball a whole lot, so you, do you try hard to make them count? Yes, sir. Uh, whenever they call my number, I try my best, and whenever I, I, I get the opportunity to block, I, I try my best at that, too. Well, what was so tough about stopping them on defense? Uh, they had pretty nice. They had they spread it out, everybody out, and when they spread them out, then they go up the middle. Then if they could throw it. They could do anything. They were a good team. Were you all surprised to see so many different players take snaps from center? Yeah, yeah, that was that was weird. The first the first drive that was that was interesting. We we never seen that before, not on film or anything, but it's what it is. Matchup with Pendleton County. Um, you know how it went last year. You looking forward to this because of that? Yeah, we're looking for a little bit of a, a little bit of a comeback. We uh, we need this win to advance on. We need uh, we need some we need some good plays going on. As Coach Smith said, you get to spend Thanksgiving here as a team. How's that feel? Feels good. We get to we get to be please a family and a team. And uh, unfortunately, we get to eat together. But <laughs> but uh, why unfortunately? Well, some some people eat a little too much, but they're 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 all right. What's your favorite food you're waiting for? I like stuffing. Stuffing's pretty good. You got plenty of stuffing for Kyle West. Well, you did a nice job stuffing the holes tonight. Hey, thank you. Well done, Eric. <laughs> that's, that's Kyle West. Nice job there. I want to step over and talk to Brennan Boron. That's a dime you threw in the back of the end zone to end the second quarter. Uh, on fourth down, no less. Uh, what did you see looking at Borte? Uh, I stepped up in the pocket, and that uh, safety he crashed down thinking I was going to run the ball and just threw it up to the back end of the end zone there for Darian, and he caught it. What, this is the first time this year you've had a game that was back and forth like this, and you knew you had to match score for score. Was that kind of the pressure in the huddle, and how did that affect what you did on offense? Uh, I just came into the huddle every play. I told him we got to secure the ball. It's raining. We just got to drive down the field and score. We just got to keep putting points up, and hopefully defense will stop them. Proud of the fact this offense didn't cough it up on a wet day like this. Yeah, that's, that's what we were, we were scared of there. 
we didn't want to fumble or lose it there the last two minutes we had the ball. And we just try to get those first downs and slowly run the clock out. In the postgame huddle, there was one guy that reminded his teammates that the game that you'll play next week is a revenge game. You know who that guy was? I'm pretty sure it was Darian. I'm pretty sure it was you. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Darian reminded us on the sideline there after the game, but in the huddle, I told him next week's another tough parent. We just got to come out to practice every week and practice hard. So you're connecting with Borte on the field. You got the mind meld going on off the field as well, thinking the same thing. Yeah. I've uh, been spending. We've been spending a lot of time up here on the field, you know, putting in work, running routes, uh, just working on our feet, getting ready, coming to the postseason. Now we are going to the semifinal game, and we're hoping to make it a state title game. Excited to spend Thanksgiving week practicing with these guys. Oh yeah, these these guys are my brothers. I love every each and every single one of them. I love coming out here each day and working hard and getting better, so we can take, make a run for the state championship. So again, to recap, Ritchie County moves on to a state final. St. Mary's will have a semifinal to play against Pendleton County. They'll host that game at 1.30 Saturday afternoon at Bill Hanlon Stadium. Also Saturday, we will find out where the state championship will be contested. Another bit of news and notes that came out late last week. Bernie Dolan, the executive director of the WVSSAC, says the Super 6 will move from Wheeling if Ohio County is orange or red on this Saturday's 5 p.m. COVID map. So that had been something that had been discussed for a while if the site of the Super 6 is in a county where orange or red is the metric. Can they still contest the championship there and bring people there? They'll decide that as of the 5 p.m. map on Saturday. Where would it go if it's not wheeling? That's a great question. A lot of people want it at the high school level. Lately Field in Charleston, I guess it's called University of Charleston Stadium now, but you know what I'm talking about. It's been considered as a possibility. It would almost certainly move further south than wheeling. That's been said. Alternate sites in the wheeling area are typically Brook High School, West Liberty University, and John Marshall High School. And those are if, for whatever reason, Wheeling Island Stadium is not able to host the state championship. Picture like a river flood, something like that, that would limit their ability to have the game there. There are alternate sites in the area, and those would be used in that situation. But I don't really think those are being considered from what Bernie Dolan said. They're looking further south. Bluefield at Mitchell Stadium in Bluefield. They've wanted that Super 6 for a long time. They've wanted the state championship there for a long time. And to be honest, they've got just as much of a right to have it as Wheeling does. It's just as much of an outlier in that direction as Wheeling is. Woodrow Wilson High School in Beckley has been mentioned. And that's a great facility. I had a chance to do a game there this year. They've got adequate concessions and bathrooms underneath. Press facilities are great. That's a facility that could definitely host a state championship game. That one's been floated around. Also, there's an idea of maybe breaking it up into three pieces. It might not necessarily be at one site. For instance, if the two Class A schools are close together, it might be somewhere there. It might be somewhere in the middle of the two AAA schools, for instance. I think it's going to depend on the six teams that are left standing, where they're located, and what might be available. Milan Pushkar Stadium has been thrown out. Jonesy Edwards Stadium has been thrown out as well. I would also venture to think that Fairmont State has been considered because Fairmont is in a north-central West Virginia location. I would think that anything with an artificial surface has been considered. I don't see this going to natural grass. I think this is going to be an artificial surface thing. And there are a lot of great venues in the state that have artificial surfaces. So there's no shortage of possibilities for this. The first thing I think they'll look to do is find a neutral site near the schools. I would imagine the goal is to try to keep people out of hotels, much like it has been for the rest of the postseason. But there's a good chance we're going to know a lot more about this as we get closer and closer to the weekend. If you haven't heard anything by Wednesday, I'm sure Saturday will be the big news day in high school football in West Virginia. But either way, there's 
a strong chance that the Super 6 moves out of Wheeling. As we come to you as we tape this early this week, it's orange. It has been orange for a while. Say it is St. Mary's and Ritchie County. That's a great question where you have that because Wood County is red as well. So that would conceivably rule out Stadium Field. You could go to West Union and play it in Doddridge County. That might be an option for both of those schools. Either way, I think wherever it is, it's going to feel like a big game. Even though it's not Wheeling Island, it's not that experience. Uh, The SSAC will step up and they'll do the best they can to make sure it's the best experience for the players. And it'll be on a good surface and it'll be somewhere that we probably expect some artificial turf. We have a new sponsor here on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. And now a word from them. Tired of those perennial favorites winning all the state football championships every year? Always struggling to come up with that perfect game plan? Worry no more. It's Jim Justice's Magic Eraser. Hi, I'm Jim Justice, governor of the great state of West Virginia. Try my Magic Eraser. It managed to do what Doddridge County, Williamstown, and St. Mary's couldn't do in each of the last three years. Take Wheeling Central right out of the playoffs. Just watch one wave of this magic eraser and BAM! There goes Wheeling Central, Williamstown, Tug Valley, and lots more. All those hard to eliminate teams gone before your very eyes. Coaches, players, and media members everywhere are amazed by Jim Justice's Magic Eraser. So you got the number four seed in the playoffs, only to draw the three-time defending state champions? I can make that game disappear. Jim Justice's Magic Eraser even works on those big schools. Wheeling Park, Parkersburg High, you're no match for this guy. Jim Justice's Magic Eraser is available wherever cleaning products are sold. And if you order in the next 10 minutes, a special bonus. I'll throw in two Magic Erasers for no extra charge. Use one for fall sports and save the other to take out those winter sports. It's like getting biscuits and rolls in the same trip to Bob Evans. But wait, there's even more. For the next 100 people that call, I'll throw in a brand new box of my map crowns. Absolutely free! And I'll even include a laminated map so you can color it in, wipe it off, color it in again when it changes. You can't beat that deal with a stick. Order Jim Justice's Magic Eraser today. Jim Justice's Magic Eraser is not a real product. It does not work to remove lawsuits, gravy stains, or angry heaters from the steps of the Capitol building. Order yours today. I guarantee my Magic Eraser works in every way, shape, form, or fashion. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Taking a look at the rest of the brackets in West Virginia, COVID made a mess of especially the Class AAA playoffs. South Charleston defeated Princeton 57-18 in the only Class AAA game that happened. Spring Mills and Cabell Midland didn't. Number one, Cabell Midland advances to the semifinals. Spring Valley and Musselman didn't happen either as Musselman advances, and Bridgeport and Martinsburg didn't happen as Bridgeport advances. Class AA looked pretty good. Bluefield defeated North Marion 33-10. Oakland defeated Herbert Hoover 53-26. Fairmont Senior defeated Independence 43-15. 
16, and Robert C. Byrd was a 33-6 winner over Elkins. Class A was not all that adversely affected other than what we've already said. Ritchie County moves on all the way to the finals as East Hardy and Tulsa both eliminated because of the COVID map. And in the other half of things, St. Mary's will take on Pendleton County. The Blue Devils win in a shootout over Midland Trail 52-49, and Pendleton County defeats Tigers Valley 41-17. So in the semifinal round, the only Class A semifinal is St. Mary's and Pendleton County. That's at 1.30 Saturday. And the only game that we know for sure will happen in Class AA is Fairmont Senior and Bluefield also Saturday at 4 p.m. So no Friday games here in this semifinal weekend. Two Saturday games and three games that we are hopeful, three of the five in the semis that we're hopeful, will be played on Sunday. And the only reason there are five semifinals instead of six is because one has already been ruled out. In Class AA at 5 p.m. it'll be Oak Glen and Robert C. Bird. And in Class AAA it'll be Bridgeport Cabell Midland. That's a 3 p.m. game on Sunday. And Musselman South Charleston, that's a 5 p.m. game on Sunday. Let's say these games happen. I think the game of the week statewide would be Bridgeport Cabell Midland. That game might be done in an hour and a half the way those two teams run the football. Bridgeport's a little bit more one-dimensional, but I think Cabell Midland's backs have a better capability of wearing down Bridgeport than vice versa. If Cabell Midland's able to play, and that's a big if because they're still in orange, but if Cabell Midland's able to play that game, that'll be a clash of the Titans in Class AAA. And Musselman in South Charleston, I really would like to see that game happen because Musselman's got Blake Hartman, who is the state's best player perhaps this year. He's already set the state's scoring record, and South Charleston is just loaded. They were so excited last year to get into the playoffs at 4-6. and six. So much young talent, and that young talent still hasn't even completely matured yet. They're 6-0 and oh this year. We still haven't seen what that team can fully do if they would have a full season to mature. So I think those AAA semifinals, if we don't get those, we're really being deprived of two great games, or perhaps the two best games in the state. Robert C. Bird Oak Glen intrigues me because, either way, one of these teams is going to get to the Super 6. It's a team we've not seen in the Super 6 in a long time, and they'll take on either one of Fairmont Senior Bluefield, either a perennial power. So there's going to be a perennial power in AA, and there's going to be a newcomer in AA. In Class AAA, four Titans going up against four great teams, and then Ritchie County, a newcomer, will take on either Pendleton County or St. Mary's. So one thing that you keep hearing about so often is people complaining about the teams that aren't there and didn't get the chance to be there, and how that invalidates this playoff. You can't really have a playoff if X amount of games in the playoffs don't happen. I get the frustration, and I get that people think that maybe that cheapens things. But don't use that as an excuse to invalidate the teams that are there. These are all good teams that are left standing. There are no gimmicks. There are no teams that you couldn't see conceivably as a semifinal team if they've been able to get the right draw in the postseason. These are all good football teams. So if you have that opinion, if you're of that opinion that the playoffs are watered down or diminished, try to express that in a way that doesn't water down or doesn't diminish the accomplishments of the teams that made it here. These coaches have worked hard. These coaches have put in a lot of effort. The players have put in a lot of effort and they've worked hard. And they're all good teams. The sense of joy that I saw from Ritchie County when they were going to win that game in the quarterfinals last week, I covered that game and that was an excited group of Rebels. They worked hard for that moment and they earned that moment. Not just in that win, the way they pulled through against Greenbrier West. They earned that moment in the weight room. They earned that moment in practice. They were in that moment in the past couple years and even before that under Rick Hott in his entire run. This is a team that has a chance if the COVID colors allow to shoot for the highest pinnacle in Class A football. Here's hoping the colors allow because it's a program that maybe because of the colors arrived a little bit earlier than scheduled, but this is a team that's on the rise. They still have a lot of talent left coming back next year. 
And this is a program that deserves the lofty things that they're reaching for today. But either way, don't invalidate the accomplishments of the winning teams and don't take away from the joy that they had to get here and the hard work that they put in to get to this point. Switching gears, I know Hoppy Kerchival's the one on his radio show that's known for Steam Release. I'm going to do a version of that and a version of the Dave Letterman Top 10. This is my top five most frustrating things about the COVID map. And this is in no particular order. These are five things that at the end of the day, I have found that vex me about this map. I am ready to be done with this map and I'm ready for football season to be done because of this map, to be quite honest. And I hate wishing football season away. I've had fun covering the games I've been able to cover this year, but boy has this map just been an overwhelming and looming presence over it all. This map is confusing to casual fans, hardcore fans, and media alike. Let's put aside the schedule and how it's wreaked havoc on the schedule because it has. It has done that and then some. You ask a casual fan from week to week who's playing who, and then you have to correct them and say, no, actually they're not able to play that team. They're playing this team. Any schedule that you see printed up and put at the cash register at a gas station with all the sponsors on there, no, those are worthless this year because the schedule's changed so many times. Ritchie County played 10 games, the only team in the area and the only team in the playoffs of all the 48 teams in all three classes that made the playoffs, even their schedule changed some. They lost a game with Ward County and they picked up Moorfield instead. But all these schedules changed and that made things confusing to even ardent fans who just maybe hadn't followed up with the latest. You really had to be on Twitter this year and not just Facebook or other social media. Twitter was where the latest news was about high school football in this state. You had to be on Twitter to know who was playing who any given week or at least see the Metro News scoreboard on Friday night or throughout the week. They did a good job to stay on top of that. Joe Brocato did an excellent job with that all year long. That had to be a difficult and often frustrating task. So there's that. But here is why it's mainly confusing to casual fans, hardcore fans, and the media alike. The rules as they pertain to this map have changed so many times during the course of this season. At the beginning of the season, for instance, there was not a gold designation. It was green, yellow, orange, red. And then they decided that gold was needed because there was too much of a jump between yellow and orange. So that was added, and it allowed greater participation. But in the regular season, teams from gold count could only play teams from within their own county and teams from other gold counties. Green and yellow could play other green and yellow schools. Orange could have workouts and conditioning. Red couldn't do anything. In the postseason, green, yellow, and gold can play one another. So the difference in designation for gold and the difference in what gold could do in the regular season, the postseason, that was confusing to people. And then there's the 5 o'clock map on Saturday versus the daily map on Saturday. You had to be gold or better by the Saturday map release to have a chance to play that week here in the postseason. If you were not gold or better, your game was automatically Sunday, at which you had until the next week's 5 p.m. map to get your color better. Or if you were good during the week, and then let's say you went to red during the week, you had until the day of your game's map to get to orange or better. So who needed to get to orange? Who needed to get to gold? That confused a heck of a lot of people and has led to a lot of arguments that have all kinds of fallacies all over message boards. It makes your head explode to try to explain this to somebody. And Ritchie County is an example that I'm sure a lot of people are not going to be pleased with because they get a bye this week despite the fact that they're red. What if the bye had happened in the quarterfinals? Ritchie County would be out of luck for the semifinals. But Ritchie County gets a bye 
this weekend is a good thing they do because they are red, meaning that if they were to stay red by the Saturday map, in most cases, they would be out. They would be done in their postseason run. It's very possible that we're going to hear in the next couple days that Ritchie County won't be eligible for the state championship game if that county stays red by the Saturday map. That might be announced tomorrow. That might be announced Friday after the holiday. We really don't know about that. We think Ritchie County will have two weeks to get their colors better. We hope Ritchie County will have two weeks to get their colors better. But that example is paramount right now as to how confusing this is, even for media members, someone like me that's looked at this map now for a quarter of a year. Yeah. It's frustrating. I want to throw maps away when this is done. It's confusing to everybody, even the people that are in the know, the most in the thick of all of West Virginia high school football followers still have a tough time following this map. The map is often late, and that brings accountability into question, and that brings transparency into question and integrity into question. If that map is late, it makes it look like you're trying to cook the numbers when, in fact, it may just be that it takes data that long. I don't know, but when you're late with that map and you you know people are looking at that map for information pertaining to their high school sports and their high school activities that certainly makes things look shady on their face. We had a problem with this map on Saturday last week because the 10 a.m. map did not come out until 10.30. You had teams that had delayed games and had long trips to make to play games because of the release of that map. They didn't want to be halfway there and then have to turn around. Some teams rolled the dice and left for their games before the map was released. You had teams sitting on buses waiting for this map to be released, just refreshing and refreshing the Department of Education's page. So the tardiness of that map leads to a lot of logistical issues and can be a pain in the neck for teams, coaches, players, media alike. The metrics, as I said, weren't the same all year. We had a goal designation that popped up a few weeks into the season. And the way we tabulated the metrics, the way these colors came about, they weren't tabulated the same way all season long. As a result, Montegalia County, Kanawha County, lost big chunks of their season that if we had done the map a certain way all year long, those schools would have been able to play some more games and maybe we'd have a different playoff field, especially in Class AAA and maybe even a little bit in Class a. The map's very existence is frustrating, especially if you live in a county that borders Ohio, where the Ohio season has come and gone, and they did it successfully. No major stories of outbreaks there. They played the championship games last weekend, and they did so successfully, and now they're moving on to winter sports in Ohio. Those have already started. You're already starting to see girls' basketball games from Ohio, not here in West Virginia. But Ohio is doing sports. They've been able to stay safe with their events, whereas West Virginia has been going by this map, and really, it's seemed early on like a safeguard. In fact, it's become more of a micromanaging move. That's been to the detriment of high school sports. So the map's very existence, a bane of the existence for a lot of people, most notably some of its outspoken advocates. How about Donnie Mays in football season, the South Charleston head coach? And then now in basketball season, you're starting to hear from people like Dave Tallman in Morgantown. There are a lot of people that are becoming outspoken as their seasons are being frittered away because of the mandate to follow this map. And Maybe my biggest or one that gets overlooked, this is on the list here, this map no longer has much to do with in-school education, and that was the original intent of the map. It was originally set to determine or help determine which counties would stay in school and which counties would learn remotely, and of course extracurriculars were thrown in there. We quickly lumped extracurriculars at the top of the pile of importance for this map, and obviously this is a high school football show, so we're guilty of it on this program as well, but why wouldn't we be? Because 
we have planning to do, and we're trying to figure out which games are going to be played and which games we need to cover because that's what you, the fan, wants to know. But I think a large part of what went into the existence of these maps is that the state wasn't exactly sure whether or not county superintendents would do the right thing about learning remotely. And it seems in most cases that county superintendents have erred on the side of caution. They've gone remote when there's been outbreaks. They've quarantined people, classes, contact tracing, which, by the way, has not been done uniformly across the state. Contact tracing has done its job, though, and mitigated in-school outbreaks. We've not had any large outbreaks in the school systems where large numbers of people are getting the virus by going to school. They've done a good job with that, but I think the state didn't trust the counties to maybe do the right thing there, and they wanted to put this map in to be a sort of guiding light, and that's not really done so. It's helped the community a little bit to determine how bad the spread is there. Uh, That's a metric that has bled over into that, but largely we use it for sports, and that's about it to determine whether or not sports happen. It really hasn't done much to determine whether or not in-school learning can happen. A lot of schools that aren't in red counties have designated themselves red so they can go remote to try to slow their spread, even in counties where they should be only gold or yellow by the metrics on the map. So people are doing the right things at the county level or are trying to do the right things. This map doesn't need to be there to overmanage them anymore. It looked like it was going to be guidance and something the superintendents can lean on. Instead, it's a micromanaging move, and that's all it's been. I'm sure you have many other things you're frustrated with by this map and you can feel free to share those on our facebook page maybe we'll read the best of those next week on the program reminder you can download us every week on soundcloud on apple podcasts rate us and review us if you haven't already liked the facebook page you can find us on facebook at the eric little high school football podcast my name is eric little thank you for joining us this week and as you listen to it i'll probably release this episode tuesday night ahead of the thanksgiving holiday i hope you have a happy thanksgiving holiday enjoy time with family and friends. Stay safe, especially if you go out into the woods and go deer hunting. Be safe out in the woods. Just be safe in general, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Next week, we'll run down what happened in the semifinals, and we'll set you up for the state championships, whatever they look like, wherever they are. We'll have much more to talk about on the program next week. Until then, my name is Eric Little. Thank you for listening to the High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.